Thank you, and once again, good morning to students and teachers of the Word of God. We are studying in the theological seminar of the air the great and grand subject called Christology, which is a reference, of course, to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. In these last series of lessons, we've been discussing the nature of Christ as it is related to God the Father and the deity of Christ as it is related to the Godhead. In our previous lessons, we have given the scriptures uh, showing the deity of Jesus Christ and the scriptures that show Christ's place in the Trinity. We've also discussed at length the arguments against the deity of Christ and the scriptural answers for these arguments. On these broadcasts, of course, we are giving what the Bible says about itself and not merely what it is presumed to teach. And, of course, in a seminar or a seminary, we should be discussing primarily doctrine. After all, the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Now, it seems to be the style these days, in the main, to spend hours and hours with a sort of a, sort of kind of a positive thinking, sort of a tranquilizing, we might call it a psychological approach of mental telepathy or transcendental meditation, which carefully avoids any absolute truth. This is very unfortunate for the Bible believer who has given a book of absolute truth, and of which Jesus Christ said, Sanctify them with the truth. Thy word is truth. It is also very peculiar to the Laodicean church period, the last age before the rapture, in that we read in the Bible where God has magnified his word above his name. Psalm 138, verse 2. Since the first and primary reason, therefore, for the scriptures being written was to teach sound doctrine, and since we read in the last day that they will not endure sound doctrine, it should not be surprising that the lifestyle these days, or the contemporary fad, is to waste hours and hours of radio and TV time with talking about loving people and God doing miracles and having faith in God and getting along with each other and believing in God and trusting God to a miracle, and all these little mundane uh, sort of psychosomatic things that had to do with spiritual mediums and not the truth. On the Theological Seminar there, we discuss what the truth says about the truth. Now, lesson today, we're taking up a discussion of Jesus Christ as subordinated to the Father. On our previous broadcast, we presented what the Scriptures had to say about the relationship of the Son to the Father as far as his equality with God was concerned. And if you did not tune in the broadcast, I will list the references once again for the fourth time in case you may have missed them. The Bible is a well-rounded book and always gives both sides. It not only teaches that Jesus Christ was God, a very God, the Godhead manifest in the flesh, but that he was man, a very man, the seed of the woman, born of the Virgin Mary, of the seed of David. Jesus Christ, to be the Savior, has to be a complete man, a God-man, the truest and most literal sense. And because this is so, the Bible is always very careful to state that it's so. So in our first series of lessons about this important subject, which we gave last week, we gave the references that dealt with Jesus Christ in his position as co-equal with the Father. On our broadcast today, we will deal more specifically with the verses that teach his humanity, his essential humanness, that is, as a man on this earth where he took a position in subordination to and lower than the Father. That will be our subject matter for today's broadcast. Now, first of all, as I said before, let me briefly review the verses we gave you last week to deal with the co-equality and co-existence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son, with the Father. These verses are as follows. 1 John 2.23, John 5.18, Leviticus 24.12, Deuteronomy 6.4, 
John 10.30, John 14.9, Colossians 1.15, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, John 10.33, Philippians 2, verse 5 and 6, John 17.5, John 1.1, 1, 1, 1 John 1.1, 1, 1, 1 John 5.20, Hebrews 1.8, Jude 25, and Colossians 2, verse 9. Now, these are the verses which the Holy Spirit has written and preserved to show you that Jesus Christ was co-equal with the Father, and in his relationship to the Father in the Godhead, he was equal with the Father as God. In the Bible, he is therefore the Jehovah of Jehovah's spelled capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, in the book of Revelation, chapter 19. As such, of course, he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Now, in today's lesson, we come to a more unique relationship, the relationship of the Son to the Father as a man born of a woman on this earth. When Jesus Christ became a man, he volunteered to take the lower place, a place of humility and subordination to the Father God. And this, of course, what brings up all the trouble of the theologians. On one hand, we have the liberal who insist that Jesus Christ was just a man because he was lower than God, and they reject the deity of Christ. Then we have the religious fanatics, on the other hand, who identify Jesus Christ with God entirely and forget that he was a man. The Bible, contrary to popular belief and popular misconception, teaches both. John 14, 28, quote, You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again to you. If ye love me, ye would rejoice, because I said I go unto the Father. For my Father is greater than I. Notice here that Jesus Christ, as a human earthly man, is speaking of the eternal God. Here Jesus Christ, as a man in the flesh, John 14, 28, with flesh and bones and blood, is speaking of God, and God is a spirit. Now notice how these verses are aborted and mangled by the heretics to teach all kinds of things that aren't so. The peculiar teaching of uh, the no-hellers is that since the Father is greater than I, that one God is greater than the other God, and the greater God created the lesser God. Now, this blasphemous, obscene, and vulgar nonsense has been propagated in our country for nearly a hundred years by unsaved people who have no more business teaching the Bible than they do trying to do quadratic equations. The speech as spoken in John 14, 28 is spoken by a flesh and blood and bones man on the earth who has to eat to sustain his physical life. It's Jesus Christ as a man in subordination to the Father, certainly not one God subordinate to another. When Jesus was conceived of the Holy Ghost, then Christ entered into a new relationship with God, according to Hebrews 1, 5. Quote, For unto which of the angels said he, the Father, at any time, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten thee. This occurred in Luke 1.35, and certainly did never occur before Genesis 1, and certainly did not occur in John 1.1, or 1 John 1.1, or any other stupid, foolish, mistaken notion that somebody digged up when they took the Scripture out of the context to prove a lie. Now, as we've said in these broadcasts many times before, anybody can prove a lie by quoting Scripture. All you have to do is put a word in the verse that's not in the verse, like adding the word baptism to John 3.5, when it's not there, or putting the word water into Romans 6.3, when it's not there, or take a word out of the verse, 
like taking the word figure out of 1 Peter 3.21. All you have to do to make the Scripture teach a lie is take a verse out or put a verse in or take the verse out of the context. In all these operations, you use Scripture to teach a lie. And what abomination this must be in the sight of God who gave the Scripture as words of truth, and of which Christ said, Thy word is truth, sanctify them with the truth, and of which Christ said, Now you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. What a disgusting and abominable and filthy thing it must be in God's sight for unsaved preachers, priests, elders, bishops, leaders, cardinals, and teachers, so forth and so on, to pervert the word of God by making it line up with their own stupidity. In Hebrews 1, verse 5, the begatting occurred when Christ was born into the world, and this is when Christ was begotten, certainly not before Genesis 1, 1. Now, we've discussed these matters in the matter of the Trinity when we discussed the peculiar twist that the no hellers gave to a passage in Revelation that spoke about Jesus Christ being the beginning of the creation of God. And since these matters have been thoroughly discussed in this broadcast on more than a half a dozen occasions, we're not going to waste time with it on today's broadcast. John 3.16 refers to Jesus as the only begotten Son. This was prophesied in Psalm 2.7. Now, does this begetting of the Son refer to the origin of the eternal God? Well, of course not. Does this begetting of the Son refer to the origin of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Godhead? Of course not. Certainly not. For as God, he was never born. According to Isaiah 9, verse 6 or 7, he always existed and was before all things. The begetting of Psalm 2, verse 7, contrary to the Calvinistic teaching of Hodge, Kuyper, Dabney, and the Reformed theologians, and contrary to the five-point tulip, no, five tulip nonsense, the begetting refers to that which was transpiring in Luke 135, when the Holy Ghost came on the Virgin Mary, and the human man, Jesus Christ, was conceived, Luke 135, as a man in subordination to God the Father. Now, if there's any doubt in your mind about this, I'm going to run through 11 passages that clearly teach that the man Christ Jesus was subordinate to the Father. And you understand, of course, this must be done keeping in mind from our previous studies in Christology that the relationship of the Son of the Father and the Godhead was an eternal relationship where Jesus himself was co-equal with God. And once again, let me caution the listener, we have gone through these verses four times. I gave them once in today's broadcast and three times in last week's broadcast, so there couldn't possibly be any mistake about what the Bible says in regard to these matters. The only doubt can be about what you think or what you believe. The only doubt can be in the mind of the man that taught you who was confused when he began to teach. There is no confusion in the Word of God. The Word of God is perfectly clear. We've given the pastures four times. And if you missed the pastures four times, you can always obtain copies of this broadcast by writing Box 7135, Pensacola, Florida, and obtain a copy of the broadcast. That is, there's no reason why anybody should be in darkness or remain ignorant or have any excuse for rejecting the clear statements of the Word of God in regard to these matters. In Christological matters and matters of Christological discussion, the Bible clearly presents Jesus Christ as co-equal with the Father as the second person of the Godhead, and in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. While at the same time, the Bible speaks of Jesus Christ in his earthly sojourn as the Son of Man, born of the uh, seed of David, by Mary, a human being who actually grew up 
which God doesn't, increased in stature, which God doesn't, was subject to his parents, which God isn't, and who became tired, which God doesn't, and died, which God can't. You see, I can't understand it. No unsaved preacher on the face of God's earth can understand it. There is an unsaved minister or elder listening to my voice who could ever understand it. And you're wasting your time trying. But natural man receiveth not the thing of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. And when Jesus said to Simon Peter, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed to thee, but my Father which is in heaven, he has plainly indicated there are some things that you cannot learn unless God Almighty, the Holy Spirit, opens your eyes so you can see them. And it will take God the Holy Spirit to show you clearly the two natures of Christ. The absolute deity from eternity to eternity, the Word of God, the eternal, invisible, immortal God of the Godhead, Jehovah God the Father, manifesting himself in one nature, and the human man Christ Jesus, a Jewish Messiah, who was sent to Israel as a flesh and bone blood human being to head up their nation on a physical, literal, visible throne of David in a political entity at Jerusalem. You should don't understand it. Quit crying and go dove shooting. These aren't things for an unsaved man to understand. These are Bible doctrines which a Christian who is nurtured in the words of sound doctrine believes because God said it. Now, here are the eleven ways in which Jesus Christ was subordinate to God the Father when he was on this earth as a human being. Number one, Jesus' earthly life was lived because of the Father. That is, the Father sustained the Son. Jesus himself stated this in John 6:57 when he said, quote, As the living Father hath sent me, I live by the Father. That's his profession. Number two, Jesus could not do anything independently of the Father. He said in John 5:19, quote, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Jesus Christ was sent to the earth by the Father, according to John 6.29 and John 8.29. The Lord Jesus said, quote, This is the work of God, that you may believe on him whom he hath sent. Now, do you see where we're going? Clearly, these pastors teach that the human man, Jesus Christ, as an earthly Messiah, sent to Israel, the Son of Man, was subordinate to and underneath and subservient to Jehovah God the Father of the Old Testament. While at the same time, must must never forget that by virtue of his divine incarnation, God was manifest in the flesh, and that Jesus Christ as God is equal to the Father in 30 passages that I've given you four times in a row. You're going to have to reject a great deal of light when you try to choose side between these two series of passages, because both of them are true. And this is what the unsaved preacher, elder, and minister cannot understand. So he chooses one set to the exclusion of the other, and thereby cuts half the Bible in two, and becomes a teacher of false doctrine instead of a teacher of sound doctrine. And we were warned about these professional ministers in the last days, who were told, we were told, they will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and shall turn away from the truth, and be turned into fables. Continuing our lesson on the subordination of the man Christ Jesus to God the Father. The Father gave the Son authority and directions. According to John 10:18, quote, I lay it down by myself, speaking of his life, 
I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Notice also the same line of reasoning in John 13, 3. In John 8, 26, Jesus said, I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. So the man Christ Jesus received his messages from the Father. Number six, the Father gave to the Savior certain works to accomplish. According to John 17, 4 and John 5, 36, quote, The works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do, they bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. Now notice how throughout, constantly, constantly, without any variation, the Bible clearly teaches the co-equality of Jesus Christ as the eternal God the Father, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, while at the same time, in the flesh as a man, he's spoken of as subservient and underneath God the Father. You see, that's a contradiction. If you like to think that, then go and reject it at your own risk. Take your chances. We're not going to take them. We're going to accept what the Bible says about these matters, whether we can understand it or not, and according to the divine dictum of Paul, let God be true and every man a liar. Jesus Christ was no more created God than your left foot is your right ear. And Jesus Christ was no more a lesser God or created God than your hound dog is Audie Murphy. The Bible is clear in these matters. He's only a lesser being in his humiliation incarnation, which he voluntarily undertook when he humbled himself and left his position in the Godhead to become a man, Christ Jesus. And in this position, he never completely leaves the Godhead because of the man, Christ Jesus. He has a divine nature, the Son of God, that's inseparably connected with the Trinity and eternal life. Seven, the Father assigned a kingdom of the Son. In Luke 22, 29, we read, quote, And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me. The eighth reason why we know that Christ was subordinated to the Father is that during this present church age, Jesus is said to be subjected to the headship of the Father. We read in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, The head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, see how folks get it all messed up? They can never get it through their heads that before Christ became incarnate as a man, he is co-equal in the, in the Trinity, and who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But incarnation humbled himself, God manifest in the flesh, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became a beating to death, even the death of the cross. Now, see how it goes? Yes, I don't see how it goes. You'd better see it if you're going to please God by believing what God said. Now, God has said these things that are in the Scripture. And this muddle and uh, a modern, synthesized, leaven age in which we live, with this pantyways type of Christianity and this milksop type of doctrine, and this finagling and aborting of Scripture and mangling of Scripture and bamboozling and humbugging the people, the born-again Bible believer has no business subscribing to it. You should know what that book says on every major subject you're connected with and what it doesn't say about every subject you're connected with. There isn't any excuse for a Christian not studying to show himself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That book has proper divisions in it, and the division between the humanity of Christ as the Son of Man and the deity of Christ the Son of God is so clear that only an unsaved minister could possibly miss it. And if the blind lead the blind, they'll both fall into a ditch. 
Christ has become the way by which men are able to approach to God, according to Hebrews 7, verse 25. We read, quote, Wherefore he, Christ, is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Again, Jesus has become the way to God, the only way of salvation. In John 14:6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, I realize that is a, a verse that's violently opposed and against the ecumenical movement. I'm, I'm sure that Bible could be, that passage could be classified as hate literature by the Anti-Defamation League, but our answer to that is tough apples, you see. I mean, if you weren't a, a coward and a, and a thin-skinned patty waist, you wouldn't have objected. After all, do you ever stop thinking what a beating some of us Bible-believing people take from some of you communistic, socialistic rascals? You got your junk on the radio and on TV, television 24 hours a day, we never have a chance to answer anything. All they can do is turn you off. You don't upset us. We don't worry about going out down the country and talk about you're hurting our feelings, you're attacking us, you're slandering us, you're persecuting us. We're not worried about that. After all, if you've got any red button, you're half a man, you can take that stuff in your stride without missing three meals a day. Well, some of you folks get awful nervous in the service. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh the Father but by me. You say, what if the fellows, you heard what he said. You say, I was raised to believe. Well, that doesn't matter anyway. You say, well, I think, who cares what you think? Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and it's just your word against his, friend. And you have no right to get upset with me about it. I didn't write the book. I am not the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But I know the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the one who said it is called the truth of God, the word of God. And he has his loins girt about with truth. And he was never known to told a lie one time in 33 and a half years of his life. And that's certainly more than I can say for you and your family. Or your college professors. Amen. So when it comes to these matters, it's purely a matter of taking what Christ said or taking what you said. Christ said he was the way, not a way. Jesus referred to the Father as my God in John 20, verse 17, which shows his subordination to God the Father when he was suffering and dying as a man on the cross. Notice in Matthew 27, 46, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Notice he never said, My Father, my Father, why hast thou forsaken me? The Father and the Son were part of the Godhead and the Trinity. He says, My God, as a man speaking to God. Now, how long will the extent of subordination last? Luke 22, 29 says, The Father gave the Son a kingdom. The Son will return this kingdom to the Father in 1 Corinthians 15, 24, where we read, Then cometh the end, when he shall deliver up the kingdom to God, even the Father. The period of subordination extends beyond this beyond the consummation of this age, even beyond the great white throne judgment. For we read in 1 Corinthians 15, 27, 28, For he had put all things under his feet, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. If we understand the Scriptures are right and believe them, there is no conflict. The pre-incarnate Christ is and always has been equal to Jehovah God the Father Almighty. The human incarnate Christ lays aside this position and in his self-humiliation chooses a place of subordination to the Father 
as a child to a parent. And the more we study the great sevenfold humbling of Christ, see Philippians 2, verse 5, 8, the more we see manifested his great law for us while we are yet unlovely sinners. Philippians 2, verse 5, 8 speaks about a sevenfold humiliation of Christ, where Christ takes seven steps down until he takes the final step of total degradation and dies and suffers the humiliating death of being strung up and hung up naked before his enemies, suffering the death for a common criminal, capital punishment at the hands of ungodly men. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Greater love hath no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. But God commended his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. This is the faithful saying was of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now we finish our list today that deals with the relationship of the Son to the Father. On our next two broadcasts, we shall discuss the humanity of Christ. We've already discussed at length the deity of Jesus Christ in two broadcasts running 27 minutes apiece. Next week at the same time, we'll take up a, a discussion, a detailed discussion of the other part of Christ's nature, the human part of his nature. Not the part that was the Son of God, God manifest in the flesh, but the Son of Man, born of a woman of the seed of David. You will enjoy these two lessons, I am sure, that deal with the humanity of Christ, where we learn the great and blessed truth that although God was God in the Spirit, God came down and suffered and bled and died like you, was tempted in all points like as you are, and therefore is able to save to the uttermost all that coming to God by him, for he was born, breathed, ate, slept, lived, and died like a man. And after all, we are men. And there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Until then, may the Lord bless you, and good day.